Hi, and welcome. The theme for today will be The Great Awakening, Part 2. So what does this mean? Well, a lot of stuff, many, many things have happened over the last week or so that would indicate a need for people to really start questioning their value system, their information sources, and their thought processes. I don't know about you, but I don't like being pushed around. I don't like being corralled and forced into a corner. I don't like being tricked. But how do we know when that's happening to us? I mean, physically, if that was happening, we would know it because we could see it, we could sense it. Our impulses would kick on to defend ourselves. But what if this was happening mentally, systematically? What if we were being fed an information stream that was a coordinated illusion as a collective? What if we were being sold a narrative that was a forgery? That's the topic for today. The Great Awakening Part 2. And it's just getting interesting now. The stakes are raised. Tensions are tighter. People are pissed off. It's time to act. Because we all make great decisions when we're pissed off and tensions are high, right? How many great decisions have you made in your life when you are emo emotional or when you feel fear? What is the motivation that we find right now in these times? Where is the solid ground that we can build our understanding? So these are some branches to this idea of the Great Awakening. If you'll excuse me, I don't have all the answers, and I'm sorry for that. And a lot of the things that I know, I can't really say. And you, you get it. You know why. Because I operate on a system of principles, I can't just blather opinions or use a shtick to kind of create entertainment for entertainment's sake. 
the purpose of this is to tool you up and get you going so that you can question all of the things in your life that you need to question and categorize things that are kind of laying around in your way and file information where it needs to go. Hence the title of this podcast, Unlocking Your Mind. And when your house is locked, you can't get in without a key or a remote. And when a safe is locked, you need a code or a key. And so when your mind is locked, as many of ours are, or were to some degree, you need the same. You need the codes, you need the keys. It doesn't do any good for me to tell you what's inside there or what's on the other side or what my personal truth is. And it doesn't make sense for me to try to get everyone to agree upon a given truth. So instead I'll focus on the keys and the codes And we can all agree, hopefully, on a few of these things. So I'll throw out a statement first, a blanket statement. We'll see how you feel about this or what you think. The purpose of the educational system is to fill us up with facts and knowledge and then to lay out a framework of understanding so that we can go off into the world and pursue our careers, our lives, maybe make a difference, maybe we try to get in where we fit in, we can go where our personality takes us, on the surface anyways. But there are many unintended consequences that occur throughout that path. If you've gotten your master's degree, does that make you a master? If you are a college dropout, does that make you a failure? Well, it all depends on perspective. From my experience, schooling left a lot of impact in the way I view the world and interact with the world. It sort of set up the rules for me on how to behave, how to behave in a crowd, how to walk through the halls, not get knocked back by the other people, how to sit down and listen, how to play during recess. You get the point. It forms a lot of impressions in a young mind. However, what we're going to talk about today is many of the unintended consequences of that, one of which is that it tends to lock us up. It locks up our mind. It calcifies and freezes up our systems of fluidity and creates a rigidity 
that we attach ourselves to and we espouse ourselves to, we wake up each day and we add to this framework. Typical school day, you get up, still tired. The alarm clock wakes us up and we have to eat a breakfast, get dressed, brush our teeth, get all of our stuff in order, go out, get picked up by the bus maybe, shuttle into school, walk in to first period, plop down, open up your books and get ready. And it's a long day. It's a long day. And when you get through it and you get home, oh man, I remember that feeling. It's a great feeling getting home and getting out of there. But you're just exhausted. You're just exhausted. And that's kind of setting us up for the work life that we're all going to pursue. We need to know how to do these things. We are trained how to sit quietly and work for hours and hours and to do what our boss tells us. We are taught to use our resources to sort of do our best in our chosen field. But again, there are unintended consequences that come along with that. Like we ignore the other 99.99999% of reality that we're not involved with, that we're not studying, that we're not learning about. We become hyper-focused on our field of study. We become a quote-unquote expert in that field. Yet, we're simply digesting information that was printed in books and told to us by professors. What if most, if not all of it, was full of lies, propaganda, half-truths, misunderstandings, etc., etc.? What if we've built our life on a bed of lies? You have to ask that question. You really do, and you say, oh, that's ridiculous. Not me. Not my country. Not my state. Not my city. Not my culture. It could never happen. That's the first trap. That's the first trap. That's the first lock. Your mind is locked. And you'll never get in with that attitude. And so part of the Great Awakening is a mass awareness changing. Very provocative questions being asked. And many people thinking outside of the box, outside of the system, in sort of undermining the structures that we built our understandings on so that we can kind of dig and dig and dig and try to find out the truth. But we're only equipped with our cognitive abilities and our patterns that we've gotten. And so there's a lot of limitations. People love to jump to conclusions. People want an answer and they're impatient. And so during this great awakening time, when we're questioning everything, a precursor to that notion should be to have patience and to take your time filling in the blanks and trying to come up with the answers. Instead, the great awakening should be built upon asking questions, cooperating and sharing information, corroborating information, discarding things 
even if we thought that they were true or indispensable in the past, if evidence shows that it is not true, we must be willing to discard. And I'll give you like a concrete example. Let's just say that you bought a year's supply of your favorite breakfast cereal, right? Because you wanted to get a good price and so you went to the bulk store and you bought a ton of it. And let's just say that in your research you found out that it's made with GMOs and full of chemicals and preservatives and all sorts of garbage. And you found out that it may be contributing to your ill health. What would you do with it? Would you continue to eat it every day because you bought it? Or would you discard it? Now, if you were the type that would continue to eat it knowing that it's not good for you, just to save a buck, you've got a problem because you'll do the same thing with information. And of course, this information is aimed at helping people that are ready to be helped. And so we need to look in our life at who we are and what our shortcomings are. If we are predisposed to being belligerent, volatile and angry and moody, maybe we need a little outside help. Maybe we need to connect with someone that's a little bit more level-headed and cool and calm. We shouldn't go pair up with another hothead because the two of us are going to get into trouble. And so there's a balancing effect when you awaken that you will need to kind of incur. Meaning this. Identify your weaknesses. Identify your shortcomings and your shortfalls. Identify your own codes. And then look outside of yourself to other people who may have a strength or an insight. You see, part of the Great Awakening is taking in new information and new ideas that maybe we weren't capable of formulating by ourselves. So the Great Awakening is a very cooperative effort. The Information Age 2.0. When we discover that the main channels have been compromised. When we discover that most of the main products are absolute garbage. Okay. And this is a leap that most will never take simply because it could undermine their basic systems. And most people seek to preserve their systems. Let's go back to the serial idea. If you're trying to awaken, if you're trying to get to the truth of the matter, then you would need to be willing to throw away that cereal once you find out what it is. 
It's the cost of doing business. It is a necessary loss. And so a large part of the Great Awakening is letting go of preconceived notions, letting lies go away from us and stop holding this, them up as truths. You see? And that's a difficult thing. That's why I'm spending a little bit more time on this subject because a lot of people have a hard time throwing things away. Our primary coding in education and society tells us to amass possessions, to amass money, wealth, to amass personal things, to amass friendships and followers. You get the idea. And so throwing things away directly contradicts that notion. You could say, oh, it's a waste. It's a waste. But the truth is, is that holding on to lies and poison will lay waste to your ability to grow. And there are more than enough good ways to discard of items, whether they be physical, whether they be ideas, or whatever. It can be done so without vengeance and without emotion. It can be done so in a very peaceful way. The Great Awakening 2.0. Firstly, we need to be able to throw away what we have verified as untruth. We must be willing to go to depths that we didn't think were possible in order to find information. If you're skimming the surface and if you're watching your television, then you're not doing your job. If you're simply using the main website searches or the main fact checking websites or the main encyclopedia websites, then you're not doing your job. If you're only thinking in terms of big brand and accepted reality, you're not doing your job. You will continue to be fed sleepy pills and awake you will not be. So there's an aspect of rejection or discarding that we're talking about. But it doesn't have to be a destructive thing or an incendiary thing or a violent thing. It can be a gentle letting go. It can be a giving away. It can be a reducing down. It's the opposite of amassing. Okay? So, we will talk about another aspect of awakening. And it's tied directly to mm, this idea of being tricked. 
you're going to have to forgive yourself for believing that which wasn't true. It can be done pretty quickly. And I have another session on forgiveness, and so I won't repeat a lot of that stuff. I will just say, by simply saying, I forgive myself for being tricked, it sets a command in effect. But now I would like to learn the truth. I don't want to be deceived again, and so let's learn the truth. Language is very powerful. Language is the keys into your mind. You have to be able to talk to yourself in a powerful way. You have to place the commands right there. I intend to discover the truth about this. I intend to discover the truth about whatever it may be and take it piece by piece. Writing things down helps. Researching. Researching, it's very important. This is the third aspect that we'll talk about today in the Great Awakening. When you research, you're literally searching again. You'll need more than 10 sources to do adequate research. And you need to dig down deeper than you thought was even possible, as said before. Most of the main channels have been compromised. Meaning what, you say? Meaning that they have their agenda. They have their game set and their pieces locked and loaded. And the mass of people awakening is not part of their agenda. You see, the Great Awakening is actually not cool with the big, big, big companies and the main, main, main channels and all that they own and all that they control. What they want is division. They want conflict because they get more power and more ad revenue. What they want are fearful, heavily medicated people that are easy customers, easy consumers. Just like the public school systems aren't cranking out free thinkers, the main TV channels aren't cranking out scholars and thinkers. And just like that, you can apply that to every single aspect of your life. The main food companies aren't interested in giving you the very best nutrition and the very best value. They have their game in play. They're trying to make the most money, plain and simple. If you want to eat the best food, you need to do some learning. It needs to be diverse. You need to do some experimenting with your system because there are many different types of people that respond differently to different types of food. And so if you think you're just going to go through the drive through every day and that's good enough for you, then this message isn't for you because it's more difficult than that. And as time goes on, you'll see that. 
nutrition is a whole subject onto itself, which we may get into in later talks. And that's actually how I started my awakening personally 20 years ago. It's a fascinating field full of deception, control, tragedy, nutrition and medicine, food, food production, food sales, marketing. It's absolutely unbelievably rich and complex. And it's no wonder to me that many people are suffering from health problems because they just simply don't understand these things. And that's because they're not being taught these things. Where are we supposed to learn about these things? Can a human being really come to their full potential by eating the cafeteria lunch line food every day and then driving through a fast food chain every day? No, they can't. Plain and simple, they can't. There's a vast array of vitamins and minerals that the body really needs to complete its functions. And the more we age, the more we need to kind of take care of the situation. And when we're kids, we can pretty much grow and live on whatever, but our health won't be ideal and our formation and our structures won't be ideal unless we receive adequate nutrition. And so information parallels this concept precisely. How we eat is a very good reflection of how we think and how we learn. Competition in sports holds a special place in the hearts of Americans. And the madness that's ensued in the last few months, it probably has some relevance to our lack of sports and lack of outlets for our aggression. And so where I grew up, parents put their kids in sports, hoping that they'll get a scholarship or at the very least hoping they will excel in the sports and it will build some strength and some character. And so that's a good starting point. But then we start pitting children against each other in competitions and sporting events. And you have the parents on the sidelines screaming. And you have this weekend war, kids against kids, playing whatever sport it may be. And then in school, there's like a caste system for how good you are at any given sport. And then if you're good enough, you even get your college paid for. And if you're even good enough, you get into professional sports. And then before you know it, we're paying people millions of dollars to play a child's game so that 
fans can gather around and have an outlet. Outlets are important. I've never been much of a a fan of watching sports. In fact, it's one of the things I I never do. And that was a big difference between me and most other people is I just didn't see the value in becoming a fan of a certain team. Now, if that's your thing, I'm not knocking it. Everyone needs their things and their outlets, and I can see the value in that. But I'll say this. There are unintended consequences for this culture that we have created in the United States. There is an offset created, and I'll explain it. When you put kids into competition, fierce competition against one another, and they are competing, and when you look all the way down to the end of it at the possibility of going pro, of escaping poverty or whatever, and when you have that single-minded focus, very, very, very few people will achieve that. And then they are held up as an icon, a symbol of success. And then they receive money, they receive awards and accolades, they get fame, they get endorsements, and then they get more money for being a spokesperson for the shoe or the cereal or whatever it may be. But what happens to the rest of us who don't go pro? What happens to the fans? Well, they stay asleep, don't they? They've pitted themselves and oftentimes their own kids into this reality of oppression, destruction, fighting, and elitism. And they sacrifice all sorts of other things to put fuel on the fire of the development of the athlete. I mean, what are we doing here? There are unintended consequences of this cultural phenomenon that we're experiencing. And so, the last point I'll make about the Great Awakening today is that we should really be questioning that mentality. We should really be questioning, like, how important is basketball or football or golf or baseball or soccer or rugby or hockey or bowling or any other sport? How important is it? It's a child's game. I've come to the conclusions that these games are meant for fun, they're meant to get some exercise, but instead what we've done is created a culture based on exclusion, competition, coercion, high reward, high rejection, and we're sweeping all of our problems under the rug, aren't we? We're dedicating too much time and too much focus to a pastime instead of 
improving our lives, building up our mental ability, creating a, a better planet, creating a better family structure. I mean, there's just better things to do with our time. We should relegate things to where they should be. And yet, because of society and social engineering, we accept these things as good because they exist. But when you really analyze it and break it down, is it good? Is it normal that this occurs? Anyone who really thinks sports are great, take a close look at the Olympics, how the athletes are treated, what happens to the countries where the Olympics are held, take a good look at the organization that runs it and what they do. Take a really, really good look. And that will tell you a lot. Competing is kind of what we do. There's nothing wrong with that. All I'm pointing out is that dressing up, painting your face, spending all of your paycheck, and dedicating all of your time to being a fan of a team is not just a complete waste of your time. You're playing right into exactly, exactly where the controlling elitists want you to be. And they are very happy for you to be there. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Great Awakening 2.0. I've raised a few issues. Hopefully your feathers are ruffled a little bit and it can get you agitated enough to think about some of these things. Remember, I don't have all the answers. All I look to do is give you some of the tools and to get you to get the keys so that you can unlock your true potential and so that you can begin to improve the way in which you think, analyze, and exist into this very complex web of illusions that we call life. And hopefully the further we go with this thing and the more we explore we can start cutting out some of the cobwebs and cleaning up and identifying who we really are and what we're really all about as individuals of course thank you for your time